iNews. And you've been listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to the Week on 3 with me, Noreen Mir. Just one more month before Christmas and it is definitely the season of giving and sharing. I hope you can join us to spread the Christmas joy and support our annual charity campaign, Operation Santa Claus. This year, we're supporting 18 worthy causes, so do check out our brand new website if you get a chance. You can visit hkosc.org to support Operation Santa Claus. Now on with this week's Radio 3 highlights. We have a lot to share with you centering around the environment from air quality to a waste facility plant. But first, I'd like to start with Monday's 123 show. This week on Trash Talk, Marcy Trent Long speaks with Fergal Chair along with Oscar Wong, two students from HKU Architecture, about their research on how can Victoria Harbour be protected from rising coastal threats as they join forces with China Water Risk, which is a non-profit initiative based in Hong Kong dedicated to highlighting and addressing business and environmental risk arising from the country's water crisis. Marcy starts by asking why it's so important for young people to be involved in this conversation. Our generation basically lived through this environmental green movement and we like firsthand experience, you know, the different types of effects of climate change, whether that be uh, temperature fluctuations or natural, uh, natural disasters. So I feel like we have a better sense of the consequences of uh, climate change. And also uh, through um, just like the education system, it's like one of the most contemporary topics uh, that is covered. So I believe that um, through our studies and through uh, just the natural progression of things, we have like a better conscious decision of uh, climate change and how to uh, mitigate it. Right. Mm. Yeah. And then it's you. What do you think, Fergal? Just as Oscar said, we have been living through uh, constant climate change throughout our lives, particularly through high school. Um, teachers at school would teach us about climate change and also the effects of it. But not only that, we've experienced it for ourselves, particularly Mancut a few years ago, where uh, we were able to personally see the damage it has done to Hong Kong and also how that has affected our day-to-day -day lives. And um, I think it is also, it is all of our responsibility. It is our moral responsibility to ensure that our way of living now would not negatively impact our future and that we should do what we must to protect the world so we can live another day. Right. Well, I hope, I hope the people of the older generation, which includes me, are... Um, are listening and we appreciate your guys's voices. So, well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the research project. So, um, why did you get involved with the group China Water Risk for the project? Yeah, so, um, so the research project we did was um, under a design course at HKU. 
and um and our brief there was to collaborate with an NGO to conduct research through design thinking. So so we chose CWR, China Water Risk, which is a Hong Kong-based nonprofit think tank that focuses on embedding water and climate risks in business and in a finance perspective, so that we can make better decisions today for water tomorrow. So um, after talking to them and also collaborating, we chose to solve a simple yet complex question, which was how can Victoria Harbor be protected from rising coastal threats and also sea level rise? And through um, developing our question, we chose to look at it through two different perspectives, which would be overseas and also local. So for uh, overseas, we looked at existing architectural interventions and also policy implementations from different overseas countries. And we found out that a lot of the decisions that they made was directly correlated to how close they were to the ocean and also the amount of assets they had near the sea. So they were putting and, they were putting more yeah. effort in it, the more that they were potentially at risk. Yep. So we found out that a lot of Scandinavian countries would have a lot of interventions put in place but then more landlocked countries or like more countries that are not near the sea would have more relaxed policies against sea level rise and also coastal threats. And um, and like using that information, we then created a framework with uh, policies according to the objectives of protecting the land, accommodating sea level rise and also avoiding and also retreating. Okay, After that, when we, and those are yeah. assuming this like five to seven meter sea swells, right? Yeah. So a lot of these countries did their predictions according to uh, the different RCP levels, where 8.5 would be the worst case scenario and uh, 2.6 would be the best case scenario. For, so we found out that a lot for of sea yeah. level rise, right? Yep. Okay. So then um, a lot of the countries. Um, that had a bigger risk for uh, for like sea level rise, but uh, choose the RCP 8.5 scenario, where um, where they would project that sea level rise would increase by five meters, whilst other countries would uh, take a more relaxed option, and uh, and then we looked at different intervention strategies for that. Okay, so maybe um, what were some of the intervention strategies? Because that's pretty interesting. Like in your design, it was interesting to see how we might be changing Victoria Harbor going forward to create some of these strategies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the couple of um, strategies that we looked at um, were mainly architectural interventions. Um, and uh, I would say uh, most of them aren't necessarily built, but the ones that are built there's a basically uh, there's a very um, blunt way of doing it, which is basically like creating a concrete wall structure uh, similar to ones like uh, in Japan. Um, and then there's also uh, more innovative um, interventions where it's basically like a automated gates that uh, opens and closes based on um, varying sea level um, statistics uh, from like um, computer softwares. And then based on that, um, these like huge gates, which are basically anchored from like uh, reclaimed land, would open and close. Wow. So there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of uh, variation with um, the different types of how different countries go about it. Um, and there's also like a lot of uh, passive strategies with um, using plants such as like mangroves, etc. So um, there's a lot of ways to go about it. 
And that was Monday's Trash Talk. From water, now let's turn to air. On Thursday's Back Chat, hosts Jim Gould and Paul Zimmerman talk about air pollution in Hong Kong. And they're joined by Professor Alexis Lau, who's the director from the Institute for the Environment at the University of Science and Technology, along with Patrick Fung, the CEO of Clean Air Network, and also a representative from the government, Kenneth Leung, who's the assistant director of air policy from the Environmental Protection Department. Let's hear Patrick Fung and Professor Lau with their air pollution wish list for the government. Here's Paul Zimmerman with the question. I'd like to give Alexis and uh, Patrick a chance to put their New Year's wish to you. Um, if, you. if both of them can give you one New Year's wish that they have for, for the EPD. Uh, Alexis, first, uh, what, what would be your wish for, for EPD to take uh, action on as a priority? I want to have two. Uh, regional. I think the ozone VOC is very, very important. Uh, and we are taking the lead uh, as a national demonstration because we are the most advanced in terms of the control. Uh, locally, I think that when we clean out the air outside, more and more we should start looking into indoor air quality, how to give guidelines and recommendations for buildings to do more. Guidelines oh, sorry, are recommended. I have two. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Uh, uh, Patrick, what your your New Year's wish for uh, for for EPD? Well, firstly, the um, uh, road vehicle. Uh, we need a timeline to phase out uh, the diesel uh, buses uh, or the trucks, and we need an ambitious goal uh, for the new energy vehicles. Right now, the government is not shouldering uh, the responsibility uh, to commit. Uh, for example, to build uh, uh, commercial vehicle infrastructure. And uh, there's no uh, financial model, no uh, operation model support uh, to the operator. So we see this is the first area. And I would also have, uh, would like to have a second wish that is on the AQO air quality objective, which uh, we expect will be updated. The review will, will be um, uh, commenced next year. Uh, we hope the government will take into consideration of the World Health Organization's uh, updated guidelines and then to uh, provide a really stringent, ambitious uh, uh, speed uh, in order to tighten Hong Kong's AQO towards uh, the uh, WHO uh, guidelines. So these are the two areas for me. Okay, we've well, got four wishes there for uh, for you, Kenneth. Uh, I, I hope uh, you can make them come true in the next year. Would you definitely. like to uh, uh, respond, Kenneth Lowe? Well, definitely. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a, a very, uh, I would say, uh, challenging business, I think in particular the, the WHO new AQGs, but uh, we are working towards it, uh, definitely without no any excuse, and uh, in particular by setting out the, the climate action target, we will definitely improve our air quality towards the AQG level. Regarding the indoor air quality, um, this is another area we are working on right now. We have two new guidelines coming up soon for school and the, the elderly uh, homes as well. So uh, we are going to look into this area to see uh, how much more we could improve the indoor air quality. Thank you for the advice and uh, the wishes from the two speakers. <laughs> well, we're all looking. The whole of Hong Kong is looking for your help, okay, Kenneth. Okay, uh, okay. But uh, the improvements have been made, so we, we are happy in that sense. But we want more. Definitely. And that was Thursday's Back Chat. On this week's Common Room, Alison Howe chats with Jeremy Zucker, an American singer-songwriter. 
and Ali Howe starts by congratulating him on his latest album recording, which was produced during the pandemic, and he also shares how he feels about it. It feels really good to have released it. I got to collaborate with a lot of friends and a lot of um, producers and writers that I really looked up to, that I still look up to, and um, yeah, it felt like a really good, like, period piece, for lack of a better phrase. Like, it, it really like encapsulates my past year, um, and it was just so much fun to make. Amazing! I've just been listening and jamming to your live set. That was <laughs> so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Was there any particular meaning with the whole backdrop, the way of how you designed your set? Yeah. So. Um, the album's obviously called Crusher, and that sort of came from this idea of uh, one, someone or something who crushes, and in this case, it's a person. And crushes not in the sense of like having a crush, but in the sense of like destroying. Mm. So um, yeah, from there we were we were just really me and my creative director Stefan, who helps me with a lot of my visual stuff. We were just thinking about. Like rock quarries and like these giant、um, granite crushers, like these machines that just destroy and pulverize、uh, rock, and it felt like a pretty apt metaphor to describe what I feel like I went through.、Wow. And so, yeah, the 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 live set design is we just thought of the the coolest thing we could potentially do, which was get a giant dump truck and stencil the album name on it and. Film it in a construction yard. I love how honest you are with your lyrics, with your concept, and I think that's exactly how so many of your fans feel like they're so connected to you because you're so honest and kind、mm. of so bare with what's really going on in your mind. And it、mm. sounds like it's a pretty rough time for you, man. I feel bad listening to it.、Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I mean, a lot of it is retrospective, right? So it's like、mm-hmm. me recounting a lot of things that happened in the past, and it's a lot of what made "Love Is Not Dying" my last album feel so sad and melodramatic and painful. So, Crusher is a bit more angry and、yeah. more energetic, and, and anger was useful for me with this album because it gave me a bit of agency. I didn't feel so helpless, and、um, it was fun to just let loose and and. There weren't any consequences. I'm not hurting anyone, and、um, I get to make something that people enjoy. So it just felt like a really good place to channel my anger. Love it, and thank you so much for making that as well. Like I said, I think a lot of people find that really useful as they are rocking out to your tunes. They are also letting out some of their emotions as well, and that gotta be helpful. Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any particular song that you find as a personal favorite from Crusher? Um. It's really tough. They're all sort of my baby equally, but I think one of my favorites while I was making it was "No One Hates You Like I Do."、Ah. Um, and I can't look at you, cry with you, don't come over. I'm an a hole. Those are those are my favorites. Amazing. You mentioned about collapse. Which one were you most excited for the world to listen to? <laughs> I mean, the Cashy one. I was really excited about just because. Um, I've been getting messages, collab with Keshi, collab with Keshi. Really? Yeah, and so I knew that people wanted to hear it. I knew I wanted a collaboration on the album, 
but I don't like to rely on people much. So I sort of finished the album and then I was like, okay, who, would I, who do I want on it? And I only had a week until <laughs> I had to hand the album in. So I just called Keshi. We had already been talking and he sent me stuff. And then he was in LA the next week after we had finished it. And we got lunch, he came over, we just hung out. Um, so that was just like a really great last minute addition. Wow. I'm going to come right to you about those two platforms. So what's currently on high rotation on your playlist? Um, I am going to open up my music. Yes. Um, I've been listening a lot to <laughs> this girl, Jasmine Sullivan. Um, nice. I've just been... I don't know if I could play it on the radio. Nice! I'm listening to some like older R&B and um, a lot of indie music, a lot of Grimes. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I like dabble. I sort of dabble everywhere. I try to keep it different and fresh to like always be inspired. I just like new things and different things. And that was Jeremy Zucker on this week's Common Room, chatting with Alison Howe. You can catch Common Room on weekdays, 9 to 10 p.m., or you can go back to visit the Radio 3 homepage for the archive. Now let's turn to Tuesday's Morning Brew as Phil Whelan chats with Merrin Pierce and Nigel Matravers, who gives us the latest update about his plastic bottle sorting plant. He starts by talking about the different types of plastic it can sort through. We've got a whole series of five what's called near-infrared separators. So they separate not only between the PET, type 1, and the mm. type 2, but then they separate out the different colours. It's crazy, uh, isn't it? Because <laughs> if we want to make clear water bottles, then you don't want them looking a little bit green. You want them to look clear. Uh, so we have to keep the clear material, but then we can separate the coloured materials, and they can go for recycling uh, as well. So we've got five of these near-infrared separators. It then goes down through a whole series of bunkers uh, for some uh, final checking, which I'll show you on the video shortly, before it gets cut up and then washed. And it's washed three times uh, before it goes out for final separation through that uh, fancy equipment uh, that you see there. Uh, The other point to remember, I said earlier on, leave your labels on, you can leave the caps on. And at the final point, the caps are removed, they're shredded as part of the process, and they're washed. Uh, So then the caps come off separately, and those can be recycled uh, as well. Really thought this through. (laughs) It's a pretty big building. Maybe we should pull up the photo, because what we're talking about is a warehouse uh, size. It's uh, three stories high, internal room. It's like I'm going to say two, or is it even three basketball court size, something in that space, Nigel? Massive. And you've got all this high tech. So looking at the picture there, you're seeing a lot of interesting things. And you've got, when you're open fully, they're going to have, is it going to be public visits or is it only just, yes. um, oh, so the school groups will be able to come along and you'll be able to. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, where I'm speaking to you from at the moment is up, up in, the, uh, uh, in the office area. I'm next to the visitor area. Mm. And so, yeah, visitors will be able to come in. And in fact, I'll just show you in a minute, just looking straight out the window. You can oh, see the equipment. That. We'll do the display. So let yeah. me just take the camera off the tripod. Just do your thing. And 
And when he's talking about the cleaning things and that going on, I was also kind of surprised, but not, to find that there's a laboratory out the back where they're going to be actually testing the plastics on site. So now he's walking across the room, past some nice cushions and that, looking out a, a window, an observation deck, that's looking into this massive floor of blue and grey machinery with um, walkways between the plants. It's not the smallest thing, is it, Phil? It, I'm thinking it looks like a brewery. Yeah. Perhaps I'm hoping it looks like a brewery. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a bottling yeah. processing plant, and that's exactly yeah, yeah. what it is. So and, down uh, below me... Many... Yep. No, so go down Nigel. below me are the near-infrared separators, and then the conveyor up there, which then takes it across, and in the far distance is the washing uh, lines... Just for anybody who can't see you, Nigel, can you just do some yeah. figures as you go along and do the old, you know, theatre of the mind? I'm looking at where Nigel is now, and it's immense. But perhaps you can uh, make me yeah. believe that. Go on. It, yeah, well, the, the whole building, this equipment there, there's a, there's a big, tall blue thing there. Fair enough. That no, just no, lifts some bottles up. Right. That's 10 metres high. Yeah, okay. it's massive. So there's so, three storys, basically, for people. Yeah. And it's getting yeah. close to that. How many people yeah. are working on the platform uh, or on the on the plane? Because there's a lot of equipment. How many staff on a shift? It's, it is principally computer-driven. Um, so, essentially, we need guys to uh, operate the forklift trucks to bring the material in. That's it. Uh, and some guys just to do the checking. But the good thing about this sort of technology, hmm. as far as Hong Kong is concerned, is that it employs high-skilled people. We need electrical engineers, we need electronic engineers, we need mechanical engineers. And that's really how we think this is part of the reindustrialization of Hong Kong. Indeed. Very good way we're, of putting it. We're, we're, not depending on, uh, we're not depending on, I dare to say, little old ladies uh, going through, you know, picking out the rubbish. Well, um, almost, almost, because when you say that at the plant, and as you move across the screens, you're going to show us some other views of a yeah. video running. And what he's got going on now is the plastic has got still got a couple of manual sorters. What's happening here? Or is it all automated? Yeah, the, the, these are the – we don't do manual sorting as such, but we actually um, double-check the material before it just goes into the system uh, to make sure nothing's gone through. Yeah. And then – it all gets through various separators. And this thing in front of me now is called a zigzag filter, where we use air to go up and um, uh, blow the, um, the, small blow bits. the material. The, yeah. Small bits of material that come off it as well. Yeah. And what and we're hoping kind of is that all these cameras yeah. that you've got set up are also maybe going to be part of the education visit that people have and maybe also online. So the yeah. uh, opportunity to see it happening. Now, I'm just yeah. uh, querying about the, the old ladies because it's not just the old ladies, but we still need everyone out on the street, you might say, separating out their plastics and getting it into the right bins. And on that type, people, if you're working with a recycler, yeah. how would you make sure, uh, Nigel, that your plastic has now got the chance of going to one of these more upgraded plants rather than the very basic bail it and ship it out of Hong Kong kind of uh, recycling that used to be done a lot in Hong Kong before the green fence came along. So how do people make sure their plastics are feeding into this kind of system? We've, we've got relationships now with a lot of the big 
plastic collectors, as well as we do a lot of work, obviously, with the NGOs. Right. Uh, so once they know that these organisations, that we exist, then people will also get, we would like to send the bottles to you. So that's all it's about, awareness, Nigel. Actually, people aren't mind readers. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the moment, people say, I don't trust the bin. What's the point? Uh, I put it in there. I see the, the lapsap lady collecting it all, and she sends it off, and it goes to landfill. So why should I bother? Fair enough. And that's what we want to change. Fair enough. Yeah. Good on and you. This, this is part of showing the tech, Phil. So there's one other thing. Oh, you got a question? No. No, I'm just going to say the one other thing. There's also at the moment we've been talking about bottles. The government does have another consultation on at the moment yeah. about uh, other types of plastics. And so if you go to the uh, website um, SUSDEV, um, that's where the consultation is. So that's susdev.org.hk. Yeah. Uh, discussion about things like umbrella bags, um, uh, other types of plastics. What we're doing. Uh, uh, do you know much about that, Nigel, or is it just another one of these good consultations that's raising the awareness about all the different types of single-use plastic and we need to work out what to do with them, such as packaging and wrap? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more than raising awareness. It is actually trying to say we need to find solutions. Uh, this is actually the third consultation this year. Uh, we've had uh, the, the bottle charging scheme. Uh, we've had single-use in catering. And now this is looking at the other plastics as well. And it's quite oh, right I'll... that we should do, do that. And that was Nigel Matravers speaking with Phil Whelan and Marin Pierce on Tuesday's Morning Brew. And now let me leave you with some good old-fashioned music entertainment. Wednesday's Afternoon Drive with Steve James. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Until next week. Bye-bye. RTHK Radio 3. I'm Colonel Cool, and I'm the captain on this rocket to the stars. Steve, Steve, James, James, Tuesday, Tuesday. Looks like they love you, kid. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom a lack zoom a lack wee But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. Oh, they may be playing football, mm. and the crowd is yelling, kill, kill the, the referee. referee. But no matter what the score, when the clock strikes four, oh. everything stops for tea. Tea break this afternoon, this day, 1974. One hit wonder, Billy Swan started a two week run at number one with the song I Can Help. The song was a hit throughout most of Europe and also reached number one in Australia. It was so successful in Norway that it charted for 37 weeks on the Norwegian charts, making it the fourth best-performing single of all time in that country. Here's Billy Swan. I can help. If you got a problem, don't care what it is. You need a hand, I can assure you this. I can help. I got two strong arms. I can help. It would sure do me good. Sure do me good, do you good? 
I can do it if 